is a member of the Mice Chat Podcast Network. MicePod.com. The podcast that's nearly the same as all the others. Warning, this show contains childish adult content and is intended for immature, mature audiences. Listener discretion is advised. The views spoken are ours and ours alone, not those of any other bugger. If you're easily offended, we strongly suggest finding another podcast. Everybody neat and pretty, then on with the show. Please stand clear of the doors. Por favor, manténganse alejado de las puertas. Let's put on the show. Growing older is mandatory. Growing up is optional. This After Dark, the podcast that's nearly the same as all the others. Hello, dear listeners, welcome back to uh, uh, our special episode. Um, yes, I, I, Nick came up with the name, so I'm blaming him or just not taking responsibility for it myself. <laughs> One of the two. It's the Gym Dependence Day special. We That's like right. That. Which means there is me, Paul. There is me, Nick. There is me, Paul D. I guess there would be me, Jim Hill. He's back, yes. <laughs> By, by by many many popular demands, so, uh, talking at least five, right? Three of them. Well, were at us. least the three of us. Three of yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, there you go. Okay. Three of us and two others. Yeah. Two. Nice to hear. Uh, all right, good to have you back. But to start the mean, start the, the way mean to go, gentlemen. What are we drinking? Well, as it's uh, a Jim Dependence Day special, uh, and of course that's in celebration of both Jim Hill and uh, American Independence. Um, rather than go for a Disney themed beer, um, I've actually gone for an American classic, not one that everybody agrees with, but a Budweiser. Not a light, just a full on Budweiser. Yeah. Cheers. Yeah. Fantastic. Paul. Well, by an amazing coincidence, I was actually in the Czech Republic this week and I got I got I brought back some proper Budweiser. Oh. In cans. <laughs> the real stuff. The Cheers. real stuff. I, I, I found um, fr- from a local brewery that, that had a fight, had a stand at our school fate yesterday. <laughs> sort of thing that happens in small villages yeah. like this. Yeah. Um, the Ada Brewery, I found a Chillinger Gold, which is a, a, a nice amber beer with a hint of chilli and ginger in it. So much, mm. like, much like watching the film Independence Day, it's like smashing yourself in the face with a hammer. Wow. Okay. I hope the people who are working on Independence Day 2 and 3 are going to understand, you know, that's what they're, the film is supposed to do. Yeah. Um, well, you so. can, you I'm interested say... to see the British representation of, uh, of us in Independence Day 2 and 3, because yeah. that was my favourite part of Independence Day 1. Bravo. the scenes with the English. Oh, look at that, Telly Ho! Telly Ho, oh, RAF, chocks away, yes. chaps. Yeah, <sighs> yeah, yeah, and it's it's interesting. They're still pushing forward in, in spite of the fact. What is it? Will Smith has said no, and yep. you know, um, I, I, again, I, I don't don't know where they're going to go with this. You know, just the, the whole gimmick, evidently, of the movie is that we've uh, retrofitted alien technology. So when they come back, we shoot them with their own stuff. But Excellent. it's just sort of. So, but that's enough to carry two additional movies. It's like, ugh. So. And and the new adventure, the, the new addition to Animal Kingdom, when they finished with Avatar, oh. is the Independence Dayland. Uh, <laughs> That'll be suitable uh, more Epcot, I think. Yeah. Possibly. But uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, I, the thing is, we've got Jurassic World coming out next year. That's mm-hmm. a sequel. You know, everyone wants more Jurassic Parks, whether they're right to or, or, or wrong to. People like those. Who seriously, for the last twenty years, has turned around every day and gone, oh, "Have they announced an Independence Day sequel yet?" Mm. Where's the market? Seriously, yeah. where's the market? I, it, it's all about um, name recognition. It's you know that it's the thinking in Hollywood these days is it's hard to sell a new title, but on the other hand, when you survey people and you say, "Hey, we're 
you know, we're going to do another Independence Day or we're going to do another Jurassic Park. That, that has name recognition. So you don't have to spend quite as much money to promote or try to sell people on the concept. But um, that said, Jurassic World does have kind of an intriguing bend on the story. I mean, the whole idea is it's 20 years later. They've actually figured out how to control the dinosaurs. Uh, it's a, a very successful theme park. And... But because, you know, in the notion of it's, I guess, 10 or 15 years into it being run and they need a new thing to make people show up, they blend the DNA of various dinosaurs. So you have like a T-Rex married to a cuttlefish, you know, so you have this horrible creature that can turn itself invisible against a background and then eat you. And where it gets particularly interested is because we've trained the dinosaurs now. We can control them. It's We are having T-Rexes and the Velociraptors do battle with the new creature. They're the hero creatures. And um, from what I'm hearing from the Universal side of the thing, uh, they're really quite anxious. They're hopeful this is a success because they really want to start doing things like walk around dinosaurs or you know characters that people could interact with and get their photos taken with and bring that into the parks and hopefully they mean slightly audio animatronic ones like the ones they put out in singapore as opposed to the bloke in a black cat suit well you know that's <laughs> it you know the weird thing is back in the day disney actually used to be able to do prototypes without the fan community falling on them uh, but now, because everybody's got, a, you know, a, a camera in their phone, you know, I, just something like that, where it's just sort of like, we're just testing it for the day. And it's like yeah. the entire world gets the votes on, well, what do you think? It sucks. Okay. And we, we never see it again. Yeah. And, you know. Have you got any idea what ever happened to that flying dragon? Um, my it was used under- once, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It and, and that was strictly used for the opening of... of uh, you know, a new fantasy land. In fact, that not even the real opening, because that was, you know, when Seven Dwarfs Mine Train finally came online. My understanding is it was Disney legal uh, that actually we will give you a one-time only uh, allowance to use this thing. And because of the fear, I mean, there's kind of a, a history of this. They, they did a test very, very early on. We're talking late 70s, early 80s when they were working on the new Fantasyland for Disneyland, and somebody had seen those little uh, remote control helicopters um, and, you know, came up with this really interesting idea of taking the um, the clear body. It, it's, you have to understand when they, they, they were doing audio animatronic figures during this time, they'd, there was a latex skin that they'd pull, or excuse me, Duraflex skin that they'd pull over the hard acrylic plastic body of the figures. And, and the idea was that you did that so it, the acrylic kept all of the moving parts inside uh, and it wasn't tearing at the clothes or tearing, tearing at the Duraflex. It also gave sort of an exoskeleton so it had a shape. Anyway, there was, there was a um, Alice figure that was done for the Mickey Mouse review. And somebody came up with a really interesting idea of hot gluing a remote control uh, helicopter to the back of this this Alice figure, then filling it with twinkle lights, and then firing the thing up and flying it around Sleeping Beauty Castle. And, it's you know, uh, Bruce Gordon, uh, the the, the late Imaginary, he worked on Splash Mountain and stuff like that, was telling me the story about they had to wait, obviously, till the park had cleared for the night, and all that. So they're there at like three o'clock in the morning, flying this thing around uh, Sleeping Beauty Castle in Anaheim. And everybody loves how it looks. I mean, it really, you know, it's not a girl on a wire that can only make the one pass or now with that weird mechanism with, you know, they jerk the girl back and forth. Uh, this looked like it was legitimately flying and could, and, you know, so they, they brought in Disney legal and it's, oh God, no. You know, just, you know, just, they were, what if it crashes? What if it goes, what if it kills a child? No, we can't do this. So, um, that, uh, that's kind of Disney's attitude. And, and actually that, that also spreads over to Universal. I just heard a day or so ago that, um, they had originally put together for Diagon Alley, uh, a thing where you, you, when you went into the Leaky Cauldron, 
the the bricks were still spinning. I mean, it was you came around the corner as if the the doorway from the leaky cauldron into diagonally had just been opened. And it was uh, NBC and Comcast lawyers that said, no, no, you can't do this. A child will stick their finger in the rotating brick and get it crushed. <laughs> that, that, that'd be like a massive log shredder. Yeah, well, no, no, that's it exactly. So, you know, just how did you enjoy your show? Well, up until the child lost his arm, it was a great vacation. So, um, so no, that just it, you have to understand that between great ideas and lots of fun stand attorneys with ties and briefcases whose job is to say, oh, God, no. So, so there you go. Now, speaking of uh, spinning bricks and diagonally, I imagine yep. uh, by this part of the year, um, mm-hmm. You're very sick of talking about it. But for us, especially on this show, uh, we're very interested. On, we know our audience and fans are as well. Um, and even some of the people on this show, not naming names, will actually get to see it this year. But mm-hmm. can you tell us more about Diagon Alley? Um, it's, it's kind of hard to sum up. It, it's... Um... Uh, Thierry Koo, the, the one of the creative directors at, at Universal... Orlando made the comparison that, you know how you go to the movies, you know, and it just, if you go to your normal movie theater, uh, it's a, it's a good time. It's, a, you know, it, it's a lot of fun, but, uh, you know, if you go to say an IMAX theater and you're seeing a digitally projected image that's 10 feet tall or 10 stories tall and you're watching it in 3d, it's that much more intense, that much more in your face kind of experience. This is what Diagon Alley is. It's, it's, not just detailed storytelling, it's hyper detailed storytelling. I mean, these buildings go up five stories and there are signs and windows and wall decorations that go up just as high that, that uh, you know, and there isn't an inch of this place that isn't somehow telling you the story of Harry Potter. And uh, in fact, I, I got the chat with, Tom Williams, um, he's the, the chairman of Universal Parks and Resorts about three or four weeks ago. And we're sitting in this guy's office, and he was telling the story about he got an invoice for Weasley's Wizard Wheezes. Came across his desk, and it's like, what the hell am I paying for here? And so he goes down to, <laughs> goes down to the work site because it says fireworks. It's like, it's a building. Where are there fireworks? And so goes inside, and... You know, the employee, I says, I'm here to see the fireworks. He says, oh, yeah, and walks them over to, like, a corner of the store. I mean, you're literally, you're, you're, your ass is pressed up against a shelf. And he tells the, the chairman of the company, now look up. And between the three layers of stairs and that, you know, I mean, three floors of stairs, you see at the very top, there's a skylight that uh, supposedly the, the Weasley brothers um, have, you know, bewitched. And it's now perpetual fireworks. But again, the only way you know or can see this, again, is you're you, flat against the back, you know, looking straight up at this thing. And I, I'm told there's another angle maybe that um, when you're at the uh, checkout counter. But again, you basically have to be pressing your pelvis into the, the you know, the, the counter, which, again, they're not going to look kindly on, you know, just, you know. But that's the only way you can see that that's, that's the sort of layering that there's effects in that, that people won't even notice, but we're, we're artfully stitched into this thing to, to give you the idea that, you know, that's how deep the story goes here. That's just, that's just incredible. Um, I mean, so it's recently launched. It's recently opened yep. uh, to, to the public uh, at mm. this point. Um, people have already started posting videos mm. and so forth. Now, as I mentioned... Some people are going this year, other people aren't. So I've taken upon myself to have a look at some of these things already, and I won't mm-hmm. see them for a while yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things that I did look at was uh, the train journey. And I looked at the train journey going from Hogsmeade to um, to King's Cross. Now, uh, or Diagon Alley, where, you know. Okay, where, it, it before uh, we continue here, I do have to share a story. I'm not going to share the poor man's name. Um, but, um, there is a, a, a webmaster, um, again, in the queue, you are making your way between, and uh, 
platform nine and platform ten. And there is a, at one point in the queue a Pepper's ghost effect where you can actually see the people ahead of you walk toward a wall and disappear. But a certain webmaster took this stuff a little too much to heart, and there's a wall between nine and three quarters. And he took it upon himself to run at it at full force, just as Harry did in the book. And I didn't see this. I've just heard the story, and I saw the giant lump on his head the, the following day. But this guy went straight into the wall, and then bang, you know, flat out on the floor. Um, so... Don't, don't, uh, just telling everybody who's getting on the train, just follow the queue. Don't, don't deviate. Don't, don't think you're being extra clever by running at walls because, you know, nothing says I had a highly enjoyable, you know, Central Florida vacation like a concussion. So just, it just, it just proves he's a muggle, Jim. Ah, there you go. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> No, don't say that, please. There's going to be, a, there are going to be children that hurt themselves now because I'm special. I can do it. His name doesn't rhyme with uh, Ben Messler, does it? La, 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 no. Not saying I'm just a hey, look, a really big dog. Um, no, just uh, I, I, again, uh, the train journey. Uh, again, absolutely charming and ridiculously authentic. I mean, I, I got this. Oh. Uh, back in in January, they actually went to the UK and found the company that makes the, the fabric that's used to upholster train cars of this style. I mean, it literally you know, found the folks and they they fired up the looms because they haven't been making this stuff since '68. And you know, just I, and again, some of the stuff you look at it and it's like, well. You know, for example, the two trains, the two versions of the Hogwarts Express that leave at the exact same time. I, that's actually the, the sorry, <laughs> revealing one of the secrets of this thing. There are, in fact, two Hogwarts Expresses. And the idea is that in order to make sure this has top capacity, uh, there's three cars um, in each on each version of this train. Uh, each of the, the trains has four compartments and each of the compartments in theory holds eight people so it's basically it's a hundred you know when you fire this thing up there's 144 people leaving king's cross station headed over to hogsmeade village but at the same time uh there's a group of people who are leaving hogsmeade village headed over to uh, to london so capacity is 244 people per run uh it's a four minute long journey and but it's all of these moments from the movie you really want to see, and in fact, there's some cool little Easter eggs hidden in it. Uh, for example, I don't know if it's been generally reported yet, but you actually drive by Malfoy Manor, and there's a you know there, there seems to be a perpetual lightning storm going around the house, but there's this old nasty uh, dead tree uh, off to the house, and uh, when the lightning flashes, if you're looking at the tree. You can see it's it's Voldemort, you know that that he's sort of eyeballing the train. Uh, but they they do things like you 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 know, it's just it's it's very passive. I mean, you, again, you're looking out the window at the countryside and to to one side, and but yet they have glazed glass windows to the other side, and you get to see things like Harry, Ron, and Hermione going by, and the woman pushing the the cart full of goodies, and uh, I think it's. When you're going to Hogsmeade, that uh, there's a Dementor on the train that Harry takes out with a Patronus. Um, but yeah, it's it's just uh, you know it, it, you know, and they get the rocking motion of the train right and the audio, and it just it's beautifully layered storytelling that you you know we did it as a round trip uh, the the night of the media preview. They won't be allowing guests to do that. You'll have to actually get off it. Hogsmeade Village, and if you want to do that, queue up again. But yeah. um, and speaking of which, um, boy, I, I don't necessarily want to put this out there, uh, but it probably should be discussed at some point. There are already already concerns about crowds at this place. That that it's you know a lot of people are going to come out for the the Harry Potter thing, and there is a plan in place. Um, that if it's a particularly busy day at both Universal and Islands of Adventure, where again you have to present your um, your, your your admission card, um, you know the your hotel key or whatever you've purchased, and they'll scan it 
and at that point and just inform you that this is a one-way trip you know and in fact today you only get one trip on the train so if you you take it over from king's cross to hogsmeade and then later in the days decide you need to return to islands they'll meet you at the train entrance scan it again and go oh i'm sorry but you're going to have to walk over um because you know we're at capacity today and we're limiting people's access to the trains um because again think about it i mean you're doing 288 people every you know just i eight minutes or thereabouts because yeah. uh, think about it the train ride itself is is four minutes long and you've got to load people off you got to load people on um it's going to be tough and you know that that on days when there's 30,000 people in islands and there's, you know, 40,000 people over at Universal Studios, that's going to be really tough. Um, you, not everybody's going to be, when you're doing those sorts of numbers, not everybody's going to be able to get on the train. Um, there's a, you know. Yeah, that's, that's where it stops becoming really authentic, Jim, because if that was the UK, they, they'd pack another 240 onto the train so that your face would be in somebody's armpit. Well, yeah. But, when you said 240 people, I did think my cat, my carriage I get on in the morning has about that many people. When it, wow. It's only supposed to be about 40, okay. I think. <laughs> so very, very authentic to London. Um, yeah. But no, I mean, I've got to be honest. I mean, obviously, there's, there's been lots of hype around it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, everyone's been really anticipating it. But, you know, certainly when I saw one of the train journeys, it... Mm blew my mind and obviously this is someone's very good admittedly but their own footage um, yeah. and so you kind of get the experience and they did show you both sides so they was you know they were showing you out the window and they were showing you the glazed windows like you said but the whole thing was just so authentic like you say it, it, mm. it almost blew my mind how good it was when I first went to Hogsmeade when that first opened up Mm-hmm. And my wife was uh, a massive fan of the books as mm-hmm. well as the films. I was, I'd read a few of the books, but I'd, I'd seen the films and enjoyed those. And we were kind of blown away with how realistic everything looked um, when you were there. Um, but in a way as well, it almost felt like you were on the set. Which no, I, I don't think that's, that's a bad thing at all, because obviously that's what it's based on. But mm-hmm. it, was, it was that good that, you know, you could imagine that. And we've since done the, the Warner Brothers tour in the UK mm-hmm. at the studios, which is the actual set. Mm-hmm. Um, and yes, you can definitely say that there's a lot of similarities there. But with this, it just feels like it even... I don't know, even more realistic. The way well, it, that the, the windows are done, they're just amazing. Well, it's funny you mention that because the even the actors were saying the same thing. I mean, you have to understand that, you know, Helena Bonham Carter, who's been working on these movies, you know, I forget when Bellatrix came into this, the, the films. Yeah, um, well, it was about three or four, I think, around okay. that kind of number. But, you know, just again, this is a woman who's been on the set whose husband... You know, in fact, that that's one of the, the funnier moments of the, the press time is that uh, I don't know if it was generally reported, but Helena was there doing press and being part of the red carpet and that sort of thing. But Tim Burton was also there with their children. And and a friend of ours, uh, you know, actually bumped into Tim, uh, you know, who was there wrangling children and trying to decide uh, where to go to get ice cream for the kids. And it was this very... You know how one parent talks to another parent, and you know our friend was you know very you know keep it together, keep it together. It's Tim Burton. Don't you know, don't have the nice encounter. Don't be the I want your autograph. I want your picture. You know so, but uh, but Helena w- was there talking about the fact that yeah we did the films, but the sets only went twenty feet up, and when you're in uh, the leaky cauldron and it, you know this you know this building that's supposedly medieval that with the, the high ceiling of the dining room being, you know, 50 or 60 feet tall. I mean, it's this tremendous space. And that's what they've done. In fact, the, um, you know, even the cast was just sort of awed by, wow, I've never, you know, I saw the movies and I made the movies, but I never thought I would be in this space and in this place in this way. So, I mean, even they were kind of cowed by, 
you know, how authentic and, you know, uh, you know the, the ridiculous level of detail. It truly is. It truly is phenomenal. I mean, I'm very jealous of the fact you've been uh, and my co-hosts will be able to experience themselves this year. Um, I did look at what methods I could do to get money quickly, such as robbing mm. a bank, working the streets, just because I don't know how I can wait another couple of years or so to experience this. It's well, I, I, it, it, phenomenal. If let you, me. If you can get down to under thirty-two kilograms, I can put you in my suitcase. Ah, it's well, also. I am actually uh, juicing this week, so <laughs> juice, juice diet, not um, steroids. By the way. Okay, well, let me let me let me stress a couple of things here. First of all, um, you know, as much as this is cool that they've opened in Orlando, uh, you understand the official opening, you know, and again that they they need the extra time because Gringotts is a very very complicated. You know, coaster slash ride slash, you know, uh, you know, it's, it's the people who are, um, are working on it right now refer to it as a science project. I mean, there were there were effects and things they're doing that nobody's ever done before and trying to get people to through it and out into the gift shop, you know, um, smoothly is, is been a challenge so far. But remember, this is not the only Harry Potter uh, Wizarding World. I mean, it's seven days after. Um, mm. The you know the the Florida version officially opens the eighth. The Japanese version uh, that Universal Studios it's Osaka opens, and I got to talk a little bit with Alan Gilmore, uh, who's the art director, and Dale Mason, who's creative director, on this project. And they were talking about uh, you know that each of them will have their own sort of takes. Uh, in addition, Hollywood, the Universal Hollywood one, may be the biggest and grandest hogsmeade of them all. Uh, and each of them with their own little bends on the story. I mean, for example, the Japanese version is actually going to, the way they've got a position in the park, they, they were able to build Black Lake. And supposedly mm. um, the reflection of the castle in Black Lake at night is just spectacular. It's an amazing photo spot. That coupled with the fact that because... The Japanese shop so differently than we do. You know the whole notion of that. You don't. You go to the theme park and you're buying gifts to give friends and family. So there had to be lots of little gifty items. Uh, so they have an entirely different retail program over there that's very heavily into the sweets and and chocolates and candies. And then in Hollywood, dear lord, um, I, I again it was out there. Uh, it'd be uh, Thursday before last. Uh, they're building a full-size Hogwarts castle. I mean, as you come down to go to the tram tour, you can see the size of the building. And it's going to dwarf... I mean, it, it, I, from what I understand from the sight test balloons, or the, the height test balloons they do, you could see this thing on Hollywood Boulevard. I mean, it's just going to just rise up over the Hollywood landscape. And that coupled with the bigger... Um, a bigger version of, of, of Hogsmeade itself. In fact, that that's what was kind of interesting listening, talking with these guys. Uh, the lessons that they took away from the original version. They, they realize now, obviously, that the, the original's a little tight. I mean, you know, they, they were very authentic to what was done for the film, but that may have hurt them in a theme park kind of a way. And, you know, they had to learn sort of after the fact how to uh, create queue space and get people in and out. And so, I, you know, I, I, I think we may have actually talked about it in a previous show. My initial concern about Diagon Alley was uh, how tight it was um, and, that, you know, whether or not uh, guests would be, you know, uh, you know how it was going to swallow guests and that sort of thing. And it turns out when you get to the top of the street by Gringotts, uh, Horizontal Horizontal Alley, the, the the new street that Universal was allowed to make, is a big boulevard that feeds down into a new uh, sort of uh, space where guests are going to be able to eat and shop and carpet market. That's you know very broad, and this is also where you get to see uh, the Beetle Labard shows, and um, it's this can eat up a lot of people. That coupled with the fact that. You know, they, we kept taking us in and out through the backside of it as they were filtering more groups in. And dear Lord, Gringotts has a, a queue, an exterior queue uh, that will hold 4,000 people. 
just, you know, the, the question you've mentioned the name Karkit yeah. Market, and Karkit yeah. is a well, I, I understood it to be a particularly quaint English slang term. Mm -hmm. is, is it understood what it actually means? Or? Uh, I you'll be the first to inform me, and boy, it'll be oh. fun to find out. Well, there we go, the... dear American listeners. To carkit <laughs> yeah. means to die. Kick oh, the proverbial wow. bucket by the farm. Okay. Hit by a car. Oh, I've carked it. <laughs> so yeah, carkit market. It obviously fits in with the diagon alley, horizontal alley, and the whole. Mm -hmm. Black thing, but yeah, I, I, would, I didn't know if car kit had made it into American slang. Well, I would if, if that is truly what the slang means. I would imagine that after people finish shopping in, in <laughs> Diagon Alley and then look at their bill, there'll be a lot of people car kitting it, <laughs> yeah. and it yeah. just sort of like, ah, oh, how um, much for the quills? How much for the yeah. parchment? You've got it already. That's the exact use. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, but but that said, you know that that even in um looking forward here that the, the universal people weren't you know i mean weren't very subtle about the fact that you know they don't think they're done in universal or you know in in florida when it comes to harry potter i mean they weren't going to get specific but you know what was kind of interesting is we were being swept out uh the last day uh this was thursday and at one point they threw open the elephant doors uh, there's these, those are the large doors that you use, um, you know, it, it, uh, in a theme park setting that, you know, so you can bring trucks with supplies into an area, that sort of thing. And what was interesting is when they threw open the elephant doors, you could see there's literally a straight path. You know, there's a chunk of backstage that just dumps right into the old Wild Wild West, the, the, the Fear Factor theater space. So if they wanted to expand, um, they could. They, they could bump out in that direction without even breaking a sweat. I was also informed by a, a friend who's familiar with the, uh, the new parking garage that they're building at Universal. And what's kind of interesting about that is that supposedly the concrete slab that it was placed on was poured in such a way that in the future, if they decided to bump it out in that direction as well, um, that could hold a show building as well. I mean, did there, and never mind about all of the land that's still available in Lost Continent, and there's even been some talk about just taking Dragon Challenge and retrofitting that, uh, you know, changing it out from a coaster to, uh, to attraction space. You know, that there's, there's a lot of Harry Potter stories, and let's, let's remember that there's also those that new trilogy of films that Joe's writing uh, based on the, the care of magical creatures. Uh, you know, this, this, I don't think we're done yet. <laughs> you know, I, I, I think, you know, it'll be interesting in five to ten years to find out how big uh, this has gotten. And, you know, because, you know, there's, there's some amazing stories about uh, what happened the first time around. I mean, the... The original financial plan, supposedly, for the first Wizarding World, was that they were, you know, just figure you you put up you put 175 million dollars in the ground, you 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 retrofit, you know, that side of the theme park, and it's like, all right, realistically, you know, if it's popular, we'll recover all of our construction costs in three to five years, never factoring in that butterbeer was going to become this ridiculous phenomenon. They got everything back, all of the money they'd spent on uh, the Wizarding World, on construction of the first one, in five months. Wow. And everything since then has been, you know, just sheer profit, which is, again, why, you know, they turned on the money fire hose yeah, and, yeah. you know, put one in Japan, which, by the way, that that's supposedly, you know, we think we're, you know, that, that's, don't get me wrong, that they... You know, it's always been this interesting discussion about who are the bigger Harry Potter fans. And given the way universe, I mean, <laughs> let me put it this way. The American press was second into Harry Potter. First, first group allowed in was the UK. They had all of the UK media in there ahead because, you know, they were clearly playing to you guys. Mm -hmm. uh, but, but evidently, the US and the UK are complete slackers compared to the Japanese. I, they evidently 
have just swallowed Harry Potter whole. Uh, I, the, there was this great story about the, the Harry Potter traveling exhibit. I got talking with the guy who organized that. He said, we went around the world. We went everywhere. He said, in Japan, you know, I don't know if any of you guys got that exhibit. What they did, the way they, the, the exhibit started off is you heard the Hogwarts Express, and then they raised the curtain, and here's the engine. And everyone's, oh, that's so nice. And then you go into the exhibit. They would raise the curtain in Japan, and it was it got like Elvis, you know, it was in the building. I'm mean, just, oh, my God, it's the train. And it's like, no, it's an exhibit at a museum. But if you're, you're, you're this crazy, okay, sure. Um, so, no, they, they think that the, the Japanese are going to be, you know, that much more over the top about it. And, and again, you know, with the full-size version going into Hollywood, which... If the rumors are true, um, you know that that's that's where the 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 great hall dining experience I'd, will go. Uh, yeah, I'd, um, I'd like to know whether or not Universal. Uh, yeah, obviously, you're either not party to say this or not party to the knowledge. But yep. thinking out loud, have Universal got plans for a more European park, or are they going to follow the Disney Shanghai and go China's the next big market and uh, go for a brand new park in that? <laughs> Interesting, you, interesting that you asked that because if you actually you get on Google and you hammer on Shanghai and Universal Studios, you will find out that the first folks, folks who were supposed to build were Disneyland Shanghai is being built now was Universal. Yeah. Um, yes. And they, they backed out. And part of the reason they backed out was... When you're you're building in that part of China, the level of graft to get things built is stunning. You know, if the stories I've been told are true, that the, the budget for twenty um, percent of the budget for what was built Disneyland's building in Shanghai, twenty percent of the money set was set aside for graft, just to keep yep. the wheels greased and just to keep. In fact, you may have heard in the past, you know three months or so that Disney actually bumped the budget up of that project and was talking about, oh, we're going to put in more land and opening day, we're going to have more attractions. And the story I've heard is, no, we blew through the craft budget. Um, so we need more craft, <laughs> you know. And so, yeah, there'll be an extra ride or two. But in order to get this thing over the finish line, you know, by late 2015, you know, you got to keep palms greased. you got to keep the wheels turning. And you know, when you have you know, delivery men who are, you know, a quarter mile away from the, the parks and, oh, my truck is broken down. I can't deliver it. It's like, all right, here's your money. Will you drive the damn thing in here? So, How do you get that one through all expenses on, mm -hmm. on, on the bottom of the Excel spreadsheet? Uh, well, tips. you know, the, there are some fascinating stories Agency about fees. that. Yeah. You know, that, that in more to the point, there's supposedly one individual within the company uh, that Disney has handling the graph part of it and because of how scary some of these individuals are uh you know it's just sort of like i will be in charge of this project for the you know entire time that the park is being constructed but when it's done i retire you know i retire at full pay i get to disappear because if this thing goes south and you know there are people who decided they didn't get their cut of the money they get a little testy and you know they might be looking for somebody to blame so you know you should, you should have time like, to you should have like a security team, Jim. It's just like old Disney villains. Oh dear! But this is this is serious shit, guys. This is these are, you know, this is the person who's going to look to disappear into Montana, yeah. you know, as soon as this protection. is done. Yeah. And you know, um, but yeah, I, I, you know, but again, that's that's, you know, I I think that's always interesting that that's the part of this that Disney fans never want to hear about. There, Pixie does magic, craft. No, no, there is. No, there is no graft. What are you talking about? Oh, so, so. I'm going to be honest. I've seen the, um, I've seen some pictures from uh, Osaka with the going back to the castle there with yep. uh, the reflection of the lake uh, at mm -hmm. sunset, and I mean it is it is stunning. Yep, it really and, is. But it, so I think they've done a very good job there. Well, again, the, the, this comes straight from from Ian Gilmore and and Dale Mason, and the whole notion is that yes, they will all have. Hogsmeads, at, at least to start, and there may be some further expansions going down the line. But 
these all will be different takes on hogs. They all have their own little different shots. They all have their different layouts. And certainly based on Hollywood is going to be so much bigger because, um, and, and again, that, that same lesson kind of applied to Diagon Alley. They learned their lesson of doing you know, little shops right on top of one another and narrow passageways. And it's like, boy, that's not going to work. So this time around, uh, in fact, they were, they, they make a distinction that islands really that take on the, the wizarding world of Harry Potter is much more dri driven by what they, they read in the books, you know, what, what came from the books. Whereas Diagon Alley, because again, it's in the movie park is much more cinematic. It's, it's taking its cues from all eight of the Potter films. And in fact, that's, that's also kind of interesting about, uh, you know, uh, Hogsmeade, if you get right down to it, is all set uh, in uh, Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. It, it's all, in fact, if you want to be completely specific about it, it's set at the moment in the books and the film where they're in the middle of the uh, the Triwizard Tournament. Or, they, or, excuse me, Triwizard Tournament is just about to get started because as you're walking up the Dragon Challenge, uh, you see all the signs where they're, you know, they, you know, you know, hooray for Cedric or, you know, you know, hooray for Harry or, or that sort of thing. Uh, in, in fact, you walk through the tent where the, the, the champions are supposed to wait before they do the Dragon Challenge. So it's, it's set in that exact time and that exact date before the books get dark. Whereas um, the weird thing about Diagon Alley is it's kind of all over the place in, in time period. Uh, you know, for example, you've got uh, Wizardly Wizard... Uh, Wizard Wheezes open, uh, which I think uh, came after uh, Order of the Phoenix, because um, the Weasleys left and went into their own business after that. But at the same time, if you go up to Gringotts, uh, this is clearly Deathly Hallows, because you're sort of on a parallel story track with Ron, Hermione, and Harry, uh, along with Griphook, as they're breaking into... Uh, 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 what is it? Uh, I'm blanking her name. Uh, though, yeah, the 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 vault uh, that Helena Bonham Carter's character, uh, Bellatrix's family yep. vault. Uh, but it, you know, but at the same time, you go out and you know, Ollivander's in that film had been, or in that the book had been shut down because Ollivander had been ca captured by uh, the Voldemort, and they were trying to get the secret about the. Uh, you know the 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 wand, uh, the elder wand. So I mean, it, it, from a time-wise point of view, if you're going to be you're a nitpicker, this this land falls apart fairly quickly. Uh, but on the other hand, what's great about Ollivander's there? It's open for business, and it has three separate wand rooms running simultaneously. So there'll be no more standing. In fact, the the other nice thing about it is they have a wonderful indoor air-conditioned queue. Uh, they're going to bump a lot of people through there very quickly. Uh, so everybody can have that wonderful experience and then be shuttled into the wand shop to buy stuff. Um, oh, and, and I forgot to to mention the interactive wand, which they mm, just introduced. Mm. Um, I, I again, I am, you know, I, not very gifted when it comes to these sorts of things. So I let Nancy do a lot of the testing with it, and um, she really enjoyed it. I mean, it was it, it, it mind you. It's, you know, it's initially tough to master, and I think they're going to have to futz with the sensors a little bit because I saw a lot of people flailing, you know, uh, pointing and waving their wands around trying to get these things to work. But when they work, they were charming. In fact, the the, the trio of, of um, effects that are down in Diagon Alley, uh, you know, you get to, you know, uh, you know, a skeleton you know, begins to ape your movements and there's a, 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 a wall of singing shrunken heads. And uh, actually, I think there's four down there. You get to uh, explode a canary and there's some sort of a doorway that hisses at you. Uh, but no, it's, it's I, if I'm remembering correctly, there are 18 um, interactive things in Diagon Alley and nine of them over in Hogsmeade Village. It'd be interesting uh, to, to try and find the technology behind. I mean, okay, you know, spoiler alert, they're not really magic wands, people. Yep. Mm -hmm. um, what? You know that. Only if you don't know how to flick and switch, Paul. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but I, 
a couple of years ago for Christmas, my wife got me a Chimera, mm-hmm. which is uh, an infrared one. It's got a little battery in it, and it learns from the television's infrared control. Mm-hmm. So I can actually turn on and off and change channels and turn my volume by doing different things with this IR wand. Now, I wonder if it's the same technology in the wands or if it's the technology in the window of the shops picking up the tip of a wand. So they're kind well, of a passive wand. Because if they're a wand, you could take them home and then do the same things. And they, essentially, they're selling these Chimera wands, which could control your telly. You know, I, I I don't know. I do know that there's an outfit here in the states called Magic Quest that actually uh, they've they it's got some standalone attractions. They also have some stuff set up in the the Great Wolf Lodges. That's that uh, hotel slash indoor water park chain over here that are doing quite well. Um, and it, it seemed fairly similar to that. Um, I guess the thing that concerned me is that. You know, it, it's one thing to make people pay $30 for these replica wands that have been done, uh, you know, from the film that, you know, you can, you can, and I don't get me wrong, I still think the, the Ollivander wand experience is one of the, the nicer little shows of the uh, the whole Harry Potter thing that Universal does. It, it really, you know, recreate, you know, you are in that moment from the movies. Uh, but the new wands are, I want to say, $45 a piece. Mm. Uh, or 44 and you know it just the whole notion of if you know you're the child who bought the replica wand you had the wonderful experience and now you go outside and swish and oh i'm sorry you have the wrong wand and mm-hmm. mommy and daddy have to go buy expend another 45 dollars so you can do this um that might bite people in the butt but let's, you know. let's look at it and be honest it's yep. a wand that you can point at stuff and stuff happens which is yep. a big middle finger up to the well, or you could just turn up and hold a card up in front of the window. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, oh. no, no. <laughs> so yeah, people I are going to do it. I, I, that's kind of intriguing. Um, all right, well, it'll be interesting to see if somebody actually does that. Mm. I'd love to see, you know, that'd be a funny photograph. So, <laughs> so, like, so why isn't it working here? <laughs> so now then, yeah. is it only the interactive ones that you can buy in all the different? Variants. No, no, you can still no. buy fact, the, yep, the you can buy the, rep- the replica ones. And in fact, mm-hmm. I was trying to figure out. I mean, that part of the problem when you're at a, a media preview at this, they've got you so ridiculously tightly scheduled. We were, in fact, um, the, the Thursday morning they had us in uh, press conferences from 9:30 to 12:30, and I actually slipped out, left Nancy manning the the camera and the recorder, and wandered the land and got some, you know, some candid shots of that sort of thing. But they were, you know, they were, you know, sheep herding us back in pretty tightly because they, you know, this is what we want you to write about, you know. So I'm just lucky that the folks at Universal, you know, occasionally let me off the leash. So, um, but yeah, it's, I, I, even then I couldn't figure out, well, where are they selling the interactive ones? Because they can't be putting them right beside the replica ones, because that would be a difficult conversation. So, yes, Daddy can't afford that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's it exactly. So, but I mean, the thing is, it does sound like you know, I, I was very sad when announced they were closing down Jaws, uh, a real historical piece of Universal history went mm-hmm. with that ride. But it does sound like what they've filled that space with. Is, is much more than they were getting from Jaws. Because at the end of the day, I mean, Jaws was a great attraction, but it also took up a massive amount of floor space. Oh, absolutely. Though, to be, to be clear here, that Universal didn't let Jaws passing go unnoticed in Diagon Alley. If you wander around the land, and they weren't being very forthcoming, but there's supposedly multiple uh, tributes to Jaws, uh, we found one that we thought there's a record store just outside the entrance that sort of apes the look of the dangling shark uh, in the uh, in the window. And from my understanding is if you know the the props that were used, um, I think it's in the Scribblis um, store. There's some stuff in there. Uh, 
that you know props that were recycled they gold plated them put them up on the wall but if you know the attraction you'll recognize them mm. but I, I understand what you're saying that, that you know but that's kind of the nature of theme parks that things do in fact have to change you know just yeah. to i mean you know disney does this all the time um you know folds in new effects or uh you know uh, different pieces just to sort of you know for example what is it right now they're getting ready to uh, add some new effects to the alice in wonderland attraction in california that will actually uh, make use of some of the projected face stuff that was created for uh seven doors mine train so um that's just you know just the nature of the beast guys yeah and you know i mean on the universal side of things, I mean, I'm sure you've been hearing about the um, the large patch of ground that has been cleared in Jurassic Park that uh, is about to become a new King Kong themed attraction. And the funniest thing about that is, if I, the stories I, I'm hearing are are true, that basically Universal's bringing this King Kong attraction. Um, which is actually kind of based on the King Kong 360 tram edition that was added to Universal Studios Hollywood two years ago. This is really just sort of like a giant gesture of good faith to finally get Peter Jackson to say, okay, all right, fine. You can have the Lord of the Ring movies. Um, and, and then all of basically Cartoon Lagoon goes away, except I think for Popeye. Uh, oh, which... come on. Yep. Really? Oh, well, oh, come off it. If they're, they're going to get rid of that area for Lord of the Rings, you know full yep. well that that Popeye's Bilderack barge is going to be turned into mm. the uh, the escape scene from the Desolation from the of Smaug. Yeah. Well, that's where it gets interesting, because you have to understand that Sony has a, um, a Popeye movie in the works right now. Uh, uh, Gennady Tarkovsky, the, the, the gentleman behind Powerpuff Girls and the Hotel Transylvania uh, film is uh, after he finishes working on Hotel Transylvania 2 is doing a full screen uh, animated Popeye uh, that everyone already seems to be pretty excited about. And, you know, Universal's a cagey enough group of people that what they might consider doing is just pay. I mean, think about it. If you were to take all of the land from Dudley Do-Right and then go all the way down to that giant arena thing that they only use two and three times a year uh that's a lot of that's a lot of land and if you could figure out how to sort of stash popeye in the corner there uh sort of berm it up you could still keep that running still have a touch of the cartoon land going without uh losing everything uh but you're right you know that that if you know if they can't necessarily you know, they have the right, obviously, they have the theme park rights to the character. They're already using it. Um, but yeah, that, that it's, if worst case came, they could do the barrel, you know, desolation of smog, you know, escape thing. Um, but yeah, that that's supposedly where it would go. That, that was just um, me watching the film going, oh, I see a ride. Yeah. A, a bit like watching the Green <laughs> Very much so. Very much so. And. Um, but at the same time, it's, you know, let, let's be blunt here. One of the reasons that uh, Universal has so pursued Lord of the Rings for so long, and if it's so funny that, that you know, based on, particularly after they got Butterbeer to be such a huge success, they were just, oh, we got to get Lord of the Rings, if only for second breakfast. You know, just mm -hmm. convince Americans I to eat, eat another meal. It's like, yes! Well, I don't I don't think, I mean, I, I get the thing with Peter Jackson, but to be honest, I think they're going to have a much bigger case on their hands with the estate of um, J. Uh, Tolkien. Well. Because they, they, it, it's them that seem to be really, you know, I mean, the thing is, you know, Peter Jackson seemed quite happy with the, uh, the fact they were doing King Kong 360 at Universal in the first place. Mm -hmm. um, but from what I've heard, it's really the estate of uh, the Tolkien estate that are really against... Well, I think it was him, personally, was against the notion of a, a theme park based on his work. And, I mean, don't get me wrong, money talks. But I think it, it's going to be that that's really going to 
throw some spanners in the works. Yeah. And I, I, I don't if, disagree, but, you know, I, again, I was in Las Vegas, geez, the earliest part of this week for the, the licensing show. And, you know, it was weird to walk through the Mandalay Bay Casino and see, it's like there's a Wizard of Oz, um, uh, you know, one-armed bandit. There's an Iron Man one-man bandit. Mm. And in the same tripod kind of setup, here's the Lord of the Rings, you know. Mm. Um, you know, just the, the again, one-armed bandit. So, you know, it, it may be the family can make all the noise that they want, but it, it then becomes the question of, well, what does the contract say? And I know Saul Zant and I forget the other gentleman, who got the deal? They they believe the language is in fact in there for uh, a Lord of the Rings theme park, and it it may get you know yes they may be taken to court and there may be some great discussions about that. But given the stuff that's already out there, uh, you know for example what is it uh, Gandalf turning up in the Lego movie, yeah. Uh, yeah. you know <laughs> you know it's one of these things where I think the family can make all the noise that it wants, but if they if dad did in fact sign that contract and you know the language can be interpreted in that way they can just crumble and whine and when the large check shows up they can bitterly take it back to the bank and cash it and complain loudly as they count their large pile of money i'm, I'm, so, I'm looking forward to the day all the potter fans can go over there you drink your butterware butter beer i'll be yep. sitting over there smoking pipe weed there we go <laughs> okay other then, other smoking devices are available but not in the um, Lord of the rings theme Mm-hmm. Of course, um, but I mean, where does that leave? Because obviously, Tomb Lagoon, I think, is probably the, the weakest part, I would say, of uh, of the Islands of Adventure Absolutely. in terms of attractions. Absolutely. But and that's that's exactly where I was coming to next. You know, mm-hmm. with with Marvel Island, they've got mm-hmm. the Hulk, which is obviously. Pardon the pun, incredible. Yep. Um, and you've got the Spider-Man ride. I'm which... not going to pardon that pun, it was deliberate and acceptable. Thank you mm-hmm. very much. Uh, and the Spider-Man ride, which obviously still to this day is amazing. Uh, is impressive. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> mm-hmm. yep. I didn't even think of that one. Um, but it's also got two kind of crappy attractions. And also, as much as in one way it's a kick in the balls to Disney because right down the road, We've got mm. Marvel attractions you can't have, yeah. but at the same time, with all these things, it is still really uh, an advert for Disney. No, absolutely. In fact, Universal, uh, my understanding is, um, they're loving this. I mean, they, they, there's no other way to put this. All right, they think you know. For example, just to watch how the lines have surged in the last. You know, three and four months on the back of the success of Iron, uh, uh, Captain America: Winter Soldier. You know, the fact that you have little kids lining up at a Universal park because they've seen a Disney movie to get their picture taken with a character. Universal loved this. All right. Um, I, you know, and, and don't get me wrong. I think at some point in the maybe not too distant future, uh, Disney will have something that Comcast wants. And you know, I mean. They'll figure out a way eventually to uh, get, to, to change this out. And, and more to the point, um, there's actually a contingency plan already for what would happen if, um, you know, if, if, if you know, Disney found a loophole or, if, you know, Comcast eventually agreed to sign the characters over. Um, but, yeah, the, the, the plan is that uh, that side of the park just becomes wicked land. That it becomes the the Wizard of Oz by way of the story of the Wicked Witch of the West. So, the Hulk coaster becomes the Wicked Witch coaster, and you know you have a um, you know the spy. The color. Hmm? No, Not that's I mean seriously. I mean that that's what I'm saying. Uh, the Spider-Man ride becomes a you know a, a trip to the city of Oz, or, you know the the Emerald City and. Uh, you know, it just there's there's a whole plan there where they just shut it down for two years and they bring it back. And now the nice thing is that you have a, you know, two kid friendly areas. You know, if you enter, you you know you can go to one side and you've got Seuss's Landing. You can go to Oz on on the other side. Um, and given the number of little girls in both uh, America and the UK and around the world who have fallen in love with the story of Elphaba. You know the, the the you know the the untold story of the witches of Oz. 
Um, and in fact, again, Universal that's a Universal produces the stage show version of Wicked, and they've had the movie in development for five years now. Mark Platt, the oh, producer. Yeah. Um, in fact, I remember talking with somebody in his office at one point. They had Lady Gaga coming in to talk about playing Elphaba, and thank God that idea fell through the cracks. Jeez. Um, but yeah, that that they they'll eventually make that movie. What um, I don't understand, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Universal execs clearly by that thought, you would say, are probably smoke, uh, smoking the same. Uh, crack, crack weed that uh, Paul was talking about earlier. <laughs> Pipe but, weed and crack are different things, just for the uh, record. Well, <laughs> I don't do crack. I don't actually do weed either. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, but they're obviously smoking that stuff. Um, but what is the obsession with Oz? Because, I mean, it, it wasn't that long ago either that Disney were looking into, well, they've been talking about it for years, haven't they, about having like an Ozland. So what yeah, is the obsession fact- with something so old and isn't nearly as popular as it was. I mean, all right, Wicked is is a popular musical uh, yeah, and everything and, like that. Oz the Great and the Powerful did pretty well, um, mm-hmm. even if uh, I didn't agree with it. Um, but but really, it doesn't scream to you massive, uh, exciting franchise like Potter, mm-hmm. like Lord of the Rings, like superheroes. Well, I, I, I would think that if you you seriously go Google Google now Wicked on Broadway, it is still ten years. This is its tenth anniversary this year. It is still the number one ticket on Broadway. We're talking and people paying one hundred and twenty to one hundred fifty dollars a ticket. Again, Universal believes they have a monstrous hit film with it. Uh, more to the point, you know, there are all these baby boomers who grew up watch like myself included who grew up watching The Wizard of Oz when it aired once every year, uh, you know, on American television. Uh, there's there's a lot of affection and interest in that property. And more to the point, you know, the nice thing is that when you can do an overlay like that and not have to... I mean, think about it. When, when they did Potter, um, you know, they did that the first one, Wizarding World, that was a challenge because you left... It, you know, the flying unicorn in place, you left the dueling dragons in place, and you had to yeah. sort of drop that down. Whereas, um, you know, with Diagon Alley, they just went straight to the ground and then brought it back up. And that was somewhat more expensive, but at the same time easier to do than, um, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the original Hogsmeade Village. And just the belief is that, that um, Hulk is such a popular coaster that you know they've got to find a way to save that in some form yeah um and you know and this just seems to be the right property and and you know that coupled with the fact that you know if you can tie something you know you can you know again in, in the states you don't have to explain to people Who's what oz the, is sorry i'll just interrupt has someone <laughs> taken similar. their microphone into the toilet somebody's having a bath it says like <laughs> Uh, that would be uh, me pouring out some liquid, I thought. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear, oh, dear. No, um, I t- you can pour it out as much as you like, because unfortunately, Mickey the Barman has uh, has called time, gentlemen, please. Why do we have... Why can't we have someone else? He just always seems to come time when we're getting interesting. Well, we don't want to run out of things to talk about, because we've got to have Jim back again. <laughs> He's and, the only and... person that keeps our listening figures up. Uh, and, and, and ironically, we didn't get to a single one of the Disney America, the, the Jim Dependence Day. So I think well, we're bumping that one to 2015, guys. Do, yeah, so 2015. We'll talk an American special. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, of course, next time we have you on, Jim, uh, which hopefully won't be too long in the distant future, I'm already calling it Jim again. No, oh, Jim again. God help us. This can run All and right. run and run. Oh, dear, oh, dear. Um, in the meantime, Jim. Uh, how do people find you? Uh, pretty revolting in person. You know, probably need to bathe more and, and dress better. Um, oh, oh, find me. I'm sorry that that's multiple interpretations of that. Uh, let's see. I got my own website, uh, Jim Hill Media. I write for the Huffington Post. I do a podcast thing with Lentesta, which, God help us, we're actually about to start doing, we're going to try doing these things live with an audience uh, starting in August. We're, we're Shut actually, the front door. 
Yeah, we're going to do, we're going to Flushing Meadow with the New York World's Fair uh, was held in 65, 60, and just figure we'll do a show there live with an audience and, and just see if we can work our way around all of the flying tomatoes and cabbages. <laughs> and, um, and if Len would like to come on uh, and have a chat with us about it, well, then he can too. I will check Very with welcome. Mr. Testa. He, he seems to be the only person busier than myself these days. Yeah. It, it takes us forever these days to do the to find a window when we can get together and do podcasts. But uh, but yeah, that's that's just some of the weird crap I do. So in, in that case, um, how can people find us? Because yes. they're already listening to us. But how could they? Find well, I hope us they are. They otherwise, weren't. this is incredibly confusing. Yeah. Uh, but they can of course find us at uh, our website www.disafterdark.com, or they can email us at podcast at disafterdark.com. They can also find us on macechat.com and at disafterdark on Twitter and facebook.com forward slash disafterdark. Um, YouTube, Pinterest, Bebo, MySpace. Um, we've just expanded with the new expansion of Disney into Shanghai into Weibo. And uh, <laughs> I've tried setting up a Weibo account. I can't type in Chinese. Uh, <laughs> on that note... Discot, uh, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, we're around this one. Um, <laughs> on that note, thank you very much, dear listener. Thank you very much, Jim. Yes, and, it's a pleasure, uh, guys. Thanks, will, Jim. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, you know, keep it coming. We, we'll, we shall definitely, uh, as it's the only one of the few guests we've had that people have actually asked to have back. So, uh, <laughs> and that's uh, you know just to point out that you know that's not knocking any of the other guests we, that we've no, had on. No, it's just that people are a lot more vocal about Jim than they are, say, Joshua Gillespie. And, you know, horses for courses, everyone's getting their own way, but I think Jim just has so many interesting stories, it's hard not to and, and uh, fall having, in love with yeah, the guy. We keep having to stop him after an hour. So um, Yeah, and everyone else. Yeah, like, oh. I just don't know when to shut up. So, yeah, go for uh, it. But on that note, thank you very much, listener. We will speak to you all in a fortnight's time. Uh, see you all down the pub again. I pressed the wrong button then. <laughs> Growing older is mandatory. Growing up is optional. This after dark, the podcast that's nearly the same as all the others. That's trying to mouse with me left hand whilst drinking chili and ginger beer. And we're out.